Hello, my name is Rosemary Milsom and I'm the director of the Newcastle Writers' Festival. In this session, How to Change the World, which was recorded at the 2019 festival, the founder of One Million Women, Natalie Isaacs, talks to Christina Gerakatis about harnessing passion, power and politics to create a better future. Wow. Congratulations um, on having the courage and the determination and the resilience and everything that goes with starting a movement. Um, you're up to 800,000 plus people we, yep. in the One Million Movement. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And you're going to have to clap again because uh, <laughs> Natalie's just back from Washington where they won an award and it was the People's Choice Award for Behaviour Change Around Climate Crisis. So, Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's really exciting that we won it. Yeah, mm. fantastic. Yeah. Um, you cover many aspects of life in the book. So everything from energy, food, plastic, fashion, um, cosmetics, the sharing economy, finance, it's all in the book. Uh, can you tell us about the epiphany that you had that started you on this journey? Well, uh, thank you so much for having me this afternoon. It's really lovely to be able to, to talk about it all. And um, well, so my epiphany was actually quite ridiculous. It was, I just got my electricity consumption down by 20% in our house, and that literally changed my life forever. Um, up till that point, I, I think I was actually nowhere on my own climate change journey. I used to be a cosmetics manufacturer, and my life was actually all about overpackaging. Um, it was about how you get someone's product off the shelf so I could get mine on. I had products with microbeads in them. Uh, I was disconnected to this issue. And the very short story is that um, I, I think it was somewhere in the middle of 2006 where um, I think the media got the point on climate change and you couldn't open a book or listen to the news or um, you know, watch something on television without there being something about climate change. And I think the media made it easy for us to understand, and that's when I started to really think about it. And so there were a few things happening throughout that year. The Al Gore's Inconvenient mm -hmm. Truth came out, and there was ferocious bushfire season and different things. But I... When I got my electricity consumption down by 20%, and I saw the bill that I had just saved a heap of money and a heap of pollution at the same time, it's actually that's the point that I took ownership of the issue, and I really thought, oh my God, I'm actually really powerful. Because mm. I used to think that, what can one person really do to make a difference? Really, you know, one person can't do very much. But when I saw that bill, I thought um, one person is pretty powerful. And imagine one person with millions more. We could actually shift the system. And that was the point I took ownership of the issue. And as you do, I started the women's movement. <laughs> so, and why women in particular? I mean, you go, you go into detail in the book, but if you'd just like to share why women. Look, um, it, it, it was a, a, 
No, uh, women, it was a no-brainer, really, because um, when I was doing my research, when I, I didn't know how to start a movement. I didn't actually know very much about climate change. I, I didn't even know who the environment minister was at the time. I just knew what had just happened to me, and I wanted to share that with everybody. But I was doing a lot of research to, to see what was out there, and... And I found that 85% of consumer decisions that affect the household's carbon footprint are done by women. And that women are powerful networkers, we're powerful consumers. And women and children of the developing world are the most vulnerable to climate change. And that we have very, you know, through our economic power, we, we can really change the system out there in the marketplace. And so, even though I didn't know how to start a movement, I did know it had to be around women because women are the change makers of the world. And no disrespect to the men in the room because we love men involved with One Me and Women. We just, I just at the time wanted something that spoke to the unique strengths of women. I think that commercial aspect is very important. I know advertising, advertisers actually target women. The car salesman is gonna focus on the, on the female in the partnership. Um, when they're about to sell something, so I totally understand yeah. that woman aspect. Um, 2009 is when you started, we're 2019, so 10-year anniversary, I think that's another round yeah. of applause. <laughs> I know. Um, things have changed, I know we talked a, a, about a couple of the things that have changed. What has changed from 2009 to 2019 for you? Yeah, it, it has... Um there's been a, a, a very big shift. Uh, I have really witnessed it. You know, when um, I started One Me and Women, we were still teaching or um, showing how the way you live does shape the world. And we were, we were still educating um, our community and people that were joining One Me and Women about climate change, about the effects and about... Um, what individual action is all about and how that contributes to um, the climate solution. And so there was so much of trying to, to explain that what we do matters and that's been a big shift, that um, this is personal. This climate change and what is happening is not somebody else's issue. It's not something that's going to happen in a 100 years' time. It's, it's happening now and we are all feeling that. And it's become a personal story for us all. You know, it's the plastics in the ocean, it's the, the food waste in landfill, it's the overconsumption, it's all those things that are part of daily life is a contributor to climate change. And I think that story is um, well told now. And, uh, and, and so we're not, we don't have to convince people anymore that what we do matters because people that are there. So that's been a big shift. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, look, there's been a big shift in just the solar revolution. When I started One Million Women, there were 15,000 households with solar. Now there's nearly 2 million. Mm -hmm. That's huge. And it's interesting that Australia actually leads the numbers. Leads the world. Yeah, yeah. leads the world in solar, which yeah. I, I found fascinating and wonderful at the same time that we did that. Um, but you also said that when you started uh, all those years ago, you actually were confronted by some poor behaviours. Yes, yeah, some pretty sad climate deniers, yeah. I, when um, um, I was sharing this story, when, when we started One Million Women, we were doing everything, everything to, to get out there. Um, we did um, 
uh, events and we did, you know, um, festivals and, and we were doing the Royal Easter show at the time and I had 120 volunteers and we were there for the whole time of the Easter show and it was at the same time when um, Tony Abbott came out and said that climate change was crap and it actually changed. I, we, I saw this, the heartbeat of what was going on. I saw a shift because it was almost by him saying that it gave people permission who were climate deniers to stop being polite and to just be rude. And um, at the Royal Easter show, I actually had to call the police and I had volunteers running out of the show because people were abusive to us about climate change being crap. Um, and so that was something that I wasn't prepared for. And, um, and I'm much better at it now because, in fact, today we just forget about the climate deniers. They're not actually... I hope there's no climate deniers in the audience, but there's, they're, they're, they're not worth it. We don't even waste our breath trying to change their minds because it's just not worth it. And, and, and in fact, we don't get very much hostility anymore because, you know, this is real. Climate change is real and it's happening... And now. we can see it. We can see we the increase in storms. We can see, and even if, uh, even if you want to deny climate change, climate change, there's also the well. If it doesn't exist, and we change our behaviours for the better, who loses? Nobody. It's just win-win. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So yes, so it's been a very big ten years. Um, there's facts in the book that I actually found horrifying. I'll just find. Um, so there was something around um, the water bottles and I knew that plastic water bottles and I've seen the plastic islands in the ocean, yeah. photos of those, um, and we're very careful with plastic in my house. We recycle everything we can. But when I actually read um, that there are a lot of bottles and most of them are recyclable regardless of the number that they've got on the bottom of them, whether we recycle them or not, if they end up in landfill, it could take a 1,000 years for one bottle to break down. Yeah. I mean plastic is plastic is just is just I don't know what the right word is for plastic. Think of the worst word. What? What's a evil? That's really a good word. And it is part of the fabric of society now. You know, there's more plastic produced in the last 50 years than ever before. Mm. And um, um, and I think the the thing is with plastic we need to. There's plastic. There's enough plastic out there already, and and I think if you are if you have to buy plastic, you have to value it. So, um, I mean, first of all, we have to do everything that we can to avoid buying plastic. Everything, and um, and it it isn't easy because it's everywhere. But when you do buy plastic, truly value it understand what you can do with it, the longevity of it. What are you going to do when you're finished with whatever it is? Can you pass it on to somebody else? Can you use it for something else? Um, it's really important that you think about that when you're buying something that is plastic uh, because we are a throwaway society. Australia is huge. Um, we buy a piece of plastic, a plastic takeaway container, uh, a, 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 you know, a coffee cup with the plastic lid or the plastics in the, in the coffee cup itself. We are, we are a throwaway society. And if we could just stop 
throwing away single-use plastic, that would be a huge start. I know it's, it's hard to eradicate it all, it, it all, but start with one thing, single-use, then go on to the next thing of do you really need whatever it is in plastic and try to eradicate plastic as much as you can um, from your daily life. I think that's the beauty of the book. It's not just here's the facts and here's the stats. Here's all these small things that you can do on a daily basis. Just start with one yeah. and, and look at the difference. Um, I'd like to talk about one more horrifying stat that I've found in the... There's a few, like, we're bad. I'm so sorry, um, but the, everything has a solution. It does, and it has a, a happy stat, ending. And here's what you can yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's, I think that's a, that's a great structure in the book. It's not just here, you know, here's a problem, now go solve it. It's here's a problem and here's how we can solve it together, not yeah. just singly together. Um, coffee. Newcastle has lots and lots of coffee shops. Um, we're pretty good coffee drinkers. We're coffee snobs, in fact. Uh, but what I found... Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are we? Yeah. Um, well, I am anyway. Uh, so we've got... So coffee pods were one of the things and also the cups that you mentioned. But a staggering 55 million pods get thrown out every single day. And one coffee pod takes 500 years to break down. I love your comment here. Thanks a bunch, George Clooney. <laughs> I'm sure he had no idea when he made the ads. I know. Um, and I'm wondering how many, you know, coffee pods he's actually sold. But you had some more interesting things around the cups and the biodegradable yep. cups. The cups, um, 500 billion coffee cups get thrown out every year. Um, I know someone will know the math about what's that every second, but um, it is, it's extraordinary. And, you know, when you're changing the way you live and you're changing... Behaviour is not easy to change. When I started One Million Women, I thought we'd be at a million women in six months because I thought, who wouldn't want to jump on board and sh profoundly change every aspect of their lives? It isn't, it isn't easy because we're trying to do it in this, this structured framework of our high-consumption society. But um, if you, sorry, I went off track there it's for okay. a second there, but um, um, bringing it back, back to the coffee cups. The biodegradable aspect. Well, it's, it's I, I know. When I was changing the way I lived, and coffee cups is a really good example of this, I would have my keep cup or whatever cup I had, and, and I'd try hard to remember it. And then when I didn't remember it, I would go, that's all right, it's okay just one. I'll just get this one and I'll remember it tomorrow. And I did that for quite a while. Mm. And where I got to the point where I went, you cannot do that. If you don't have your cup, mm. you don't get your takeaway coffee or you sit in and have the coffee. Do not buy another takeaway coffee cup. And I made that decision. And once I made that decision, I don't ever forget my coffee. I just don't forget it anymore. And I think that we... Climate change is all around us and we've got to get to the point that, yes, do one small thing and let it move you to the next and to the next and to the next. But let's do it with passion and with conviction and not be like me and how I was when I was changing the way I live, which is, um, you know, if you have forgotten it, no worries, I'll be better tomorrow. Just try to, to choose the one thing and really do it well 
and then you'll move to the next thing and the next. Mm. And it becomes easier, doesn't it, once you realise yep. it wasn't that hard after, after a period of time. It becomes, change becomes easier. Um, the other staggering fact was around fashion. So you write that many fashion brands burn their unsold stock rather than put it on sale or dare we say, you know, donate it to, um, to people that don't have anything. Burberry burnt 28.6 million funds of unsold tons, clothing. Tons. Like tons of unsold. Yeah. That's 28.6 million tons. Last year. Is amazing. We um, actually, I didn't even know that. When, when, when that story came out about Burberry, about burning their clothes, who, who read that story? Did you know that that's what... I, we were shocked at One Me and Women and we, we did do a petition um, to Burberry saying, you know, change this, this is just... You can recycle it into something beautiful or into fab blankets and or donate it or... And the reason they, they burn it is because they don't want it to get out there as a cheaper version. And, um, and I think Burberry have actually changed, changed this, but it's not just them, it's so many brands. And so many brands have micro cycles of fashion. You know, there's, in the book I was saying there's some, one brand has 400 micro cycles um, uh, in the year, and some do like hundreds in a week. And if you are trying to um, buy trends, you, you buy one thing, it's obsolescent the next day. And we, we, on average, wear our clothes seven times before we throw them out. And I think that um, it is the one area, just buying less is one of the biggest things that we could do. Um, and buying things that last longer. Fast fashion has exploded. Um, yeah. It's an interesting list of fabrics that mm. you have in the book um, that are sustainable and that are created sustainably. I know I've, I have a client who makes um, yoga tights out of recycled plastic bottles uh, and all of a sudden we find out that that's not that fantastic because fibres of the plastic actually leach yeah. Um, into the ocean anyway. So we're rethinking that whole, you know, we thought we were doing a really good thing. I, I think so, what I'm trying to get at is sometimes we don't think of the ongoing consequences. We think about the, the potential good that we're doing in the short, like plastic. Yeah. You know, isn't this great? We've created a bag. It's going to be really convenient. People will be able to take things away from the supermarket, da-da-da-da-da. And then we go, oops. I know. And, and it is confusing and it is overwhelming and you do think, what, like, what do I do? But I think the message in that aspect is we, we all need to buy less, whether it's fashion or whether whatever it is, we need to buy less. You know, we live in a wealthy country and, and, and Australia, um, in affluent society, there is this misguided belief that more stuff makes us happy. And, and we buy things when we're down and we buy things and it's this, it's this um, transient happiness because we are happy when we buy it. Um, not everything, of course, but it, it's not long-lasting. And, and, and 
If the world lived like we do here in Australia, we would need four planets. And we only have one. And I think that that is, you know, because it is confusing, what do I buy? What's, what's going to be the microfiber that gets into the ocean? And I think it's just we all take a breath and mm. we buy 50% less mm. and we make things last longer. That would make a big difference. I think that's the beauty of the book, though, because you go through each of these fashion, cosmetics, plastics, everything, um, and you go, here's what's actually happening and here's what you can do. Um, and I'm reading the book going, oh, yeah, tick, tick. Oh, my goodness, I'm not doing that. I, you know, how do I integrate that? So the book is very practical. Yeah. How did you come up with the format of, you know, how did that epiphany happen? How did you go, we can't just put a book out about the rotten facts? Yeah. Oh, it's such a good question. Thank you. Because <laughs> um, it is, it literally is the story of how I profoundly changed how I lived and, and, and made it stick and how what we do at One Million Women, because at One Million Women, we don't waste our time talking about, like we give the facts, but we don't leave you in that place. This isn't about guilt and it isn't about what we can't do and what we haven't done. It's about hope and inspiration and what we can do as a collective. Never, ever, ever underestimate how powerful you are and we are as a collective. And so that empowering approach of how to change the way you live goes to the heart and soul of what One Million Women is all about. And so it's... it's it's my, it's our story, you know. Um, when when um, Harper Collins asked me to write the book last year, it actually just spilled out of me because it's just an honest and real account of how we can all change the way we live and and make it stick. Um, and I think that. One of the things that I've learned that we we really try to push through on me and women, that in order to change the way you live and make it stick, you have to love, not just love, you have to be madly and crazily, 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 that's a great word, <laughs> in love with the earth. You have to love it like you do your family because... Because um, I thought I loved the earth. I thought I was, you know, this girl when I was younger that lay on the beach and swam in the ocean and, and I had it all sorted. But all I did really was take what the earth offered me and gave me. I never really gave back. I never saw that relationship between me and the earth. And that came a lot later. And when I realised that actually everything I do affects the earth, um, it changed my relationship with it. And once you fall in love with the earth and you don't just understand climate change up here in your head that we matter, I mean, what we do matters, once it travels to here and you feel it in your heart, I can guarantee you that it is very, it's a lot easier to change how, we, how you live. Um, it really is because you have this deep understanding of your relationship with each other, but with the earth. It's like that idea with the oceans as well. Like the ocean 
every drop of water, I think, in the ocean produces two of the breaths that we as human beings take. Now do you want to pollute her? Yeah. Now do you want to make her dirty? Now do you want to throw the plastic down the drain or do you really not care whether your bin spills over um, and everything, you know, travels down the drain, the ocean starts? Yeah, that's such a beautiful way of saying it. That's, I'm going to pinch that because okay. that's really <laughs> nice. Because I, I will say, you know, if you love the ocean, then you need to think about the plastics that are polluting it. And if you love lying under a big tree or at a picnic in a park or a, a walk through a rainforest or then we've got to think about the food waste that we're generating and the, the, the overconsumption that gets into, into landfill. When I was first researching One Million Women, I, f I, I found a stat that I don't know if it must be more today, but 10 years ago the stat was we, um, we throw away $10.5 billion worth of stuff that goes into landfill in just in Australia that we barely or never use. Yeah. Barely or never. Yeah, that's... Uh, I, 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 look, I don't know what the stat is today, but that one was, wow, that's, that's a lot of stuff. And when you consider that we're producing a lot more today than we did, um, I guess it comes back to almost turning the clock back to what our grandparents and, and parents even... My mother used to say, buy one piece of clothing that's decent um, and it will last you a long time. It, it's kind of turning the clock back on that fast consumerism, which you do write about, that fast consumerism in the book, um, how do you find that whole going back to the way that we potentially used to live when we did respect the land? Um, how much of an influence is that when you're writing the book? Oh, I think it's, um, it's the wisdom of the elders is, is incredible to bring into this story. And, but to bring it into this story and make it a modern, you know, mm -hmm. for the future... Um, and um, uh, so it's, you know, always a big part of, of um, moving forward because I think that today everything, everything is fast and fast fashion, fast food, um, you know, fast cosmetics. I was part of it all and um, we just all need to slow down <laughs> and bring all that slowness into what we do. Um, let's talk a bit, because you, you mentioned quite a bit in the book about the power of the individual dollar. So, yes, never doubt what the individual does, and our dollar speaks. Um, so you talk about watching who you're buying from, sending messages to supermarkets, um, your superannuation yep. funds. Can you just go tell yeah. us a bit more about that? Because, um, in fact, I'll just read one little thing from here. Um, and it's in the Why Women. But uh, it is every dollar we spend or don't spend shapes the world. And, um, and one of the things, you know, you were talking about superannuation and banking, they are actually one of the easiest things that you can do right now in terms of making a big difference. Looking, looking into where your super is and who you bank with. And when I was doing my research for my, myself, when I was having my epiphany and starting One Me and Women and seeing all these different things, my super was going to funding coal. And I didn't even, I didn't know it. I didn't know, I'd been in doing One Me and Women for a couple of years before I actually really understood those aspects and looking at my super. 
and it was funding coal. And so I just changed my super to a, an ethical fund and it took me three minutes. Uh, the same with my bank. And, um, and so I think that it, those sorts of things don't waste another minute. When we did a, a, a survey a couple of years ago about do you understand where your super's going, one of the biggest um, comments was, I, it's not a big priority, so it always gets shoved to the bottom of the list, and I will get to it. Bring it back up. Make it right there at the top of your list and, um, and really do some research into where, where you bank and where your super goes. There's, um, and we don't partner with this organisation at all, but if, um, uh, so it's called Market Forces. Go onto the Market Forces website and they will tell you every bank and every super fund and where it sits on, on the ladder of goodness. But, um, but in this, I've got a, a chapter in the book called Why Women? And women control a lot of money and it's trending and the trend is up. It's estimated that women now control 29.6 trillion of the world's wealth. That's just a little more than 10% of the total global wealth and it's trending up. In fact, by 2028, women will be responsible for about two-thirds of consumer spending worldwide. And just think, if we can use that spending power for the good of the planet, if we can buy the unpackaged product instead of the packaged one, as consumers, we are powerful. When I was a cosmetics manufacturer, and I used to, we, I, I manufactured a few brands, fast fashion. I had one beautiful brand called Natalie. I don't know if any of you know it, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, but the other three brands I did for department stores, and they were fast. I would go to the, the buyer with my product, and it was twenty nine ninety five, and um, and it would be this beautiful box with it would be a beautiful product for empowering girls and um, but by the time it got onto the shelf for Christmas because they're Christmas lines the department stores would would over the course of the year would go yeah Nat it's fabulous but now look we need to make it 9.95 and we need to make sure that product's in a box like you've got to put plastic around those and that needs a plastic acetate box and then you'll need to put plastic shrink wrapping over that and then you need to put in a plastic tray and then we need to put it in a, a plastic outer, a shipper. And so for me to make a $29.95 product, $9.95, I had to just get crappy product in all these layers of packaging and it made me sick by the end of it thinking about my products around the Christmas tree, ripping off all that plastic and a week later the product breaking anyway. Mm. And, and it was all, I was part of the system and it was all I was interested in. I didn't care about the quality in the end. All I was interested in was you buying that product off the shelf. And I would go to, to Target um, around Christmas time and just watch people. Watch pe and I was doing it to see how much of my product was getting off the shelf. But I would watch this frenzy of people just grabbing my pro and other stuff too, knowing that it was crap. That's the power of the consumer. Because if you left my product on the shelf to gather dust, I would have, the buyer would have had to have changed it for the following year. 
Every time you buy something, you are sending a message to the manufacturer. Every time. And, um, and I think that's a really powerful thing for us all. Mm. I think interesting around Christmas as well, when you write that the wrapping that we use could wrap the planet nine times. <laughs> that's just with wrapping that ends up in yeah. the bin. I mean, we think it goes... We, well, we put it in the recycle bin if it hasn't got all that glossy stuff yeah. um, or it's not cellophane, but do we need all that packaging? Packaging is a big thing. The supermarkets are... Some of the supermarkets are now committing... Um, to less packaging, uh, have you have you? I've seen that. I I was um, I went and had a look. I think it was this year, but um, I think it was last year. I just to see what was obviously to see what was happening. But I really did think there was a lot less packaging mm. than when I was when when I was a cosmetics manufacturer ten years ago. Mm. So I feel that that is a big shift, and I really believe that is because of consumers saying, I don't want it. Don't give it to me in all that plastic packaging. Mm. I think, and there's some, um, also some tech companies. I know I was at, um, I'm not on commission from Apple, and I know there's probably Apple non-likers in the audience, um, but I was asking them about their packaging last week, mm. and they were telling me how everything is made from recycled, repulped um, um, content now, which made me feel better because... Their packaging is really nice, you know, and the, and the whole experience. But I, so the fact that some companies are um, taking on board a lot of the, the um, things that you're talking about. Food was another mm. thing, just the, the wastage in food. I know my grandmother would sit down and eat everything at the mm. table rather than throw a scrap of food out, um, which was a throwback from her war experience. But the methane, I had no idea mm. the methane content from the food. Which is, which is a, a contributor to global warming, um, and it is 23, I think it is, times more potent than, than CO2. And, um, and yeah, that's what happens when it gets into landfill. And food waste is a big one. We waste one in five shopping bags of food. So it's like going to the supermarket with five and coming out with five bags and throwing one whole bag in the bin before you even get home. Um, and food waste is such an easy one. It really is. F food waste, getting your household electricity consumption down by 20%, you could all do it, go home tonight and do it. I promise you, it's, it's just being more vigilant around the house. And the other one, food waste, we, we, it is really just thinking about the journey of food from when you go and buy food right through to through pe preparation, the size of the, the meals and, and what you're going to do with leftovers for t tomorrow's meal. And um, we, we, I brought our food waste down by something like 80%. I got a couple of worm farms, a compost that didn't quite go very well. But, um, but I, it more, more importantly, I just thought more mm. about what I was cooking and, and cooking less than... I used to love it when food was left on the... Like, honestly, the thought of what I used to do. But we like to leave food on the plate to feel like we've had... I don't know. It just we, is a, it, it's an easy one for us to do. There's a whole generation growing, growing up with an aversion to leftovers. Um, so even, even that concept... Um, I had to have an internal giggle when you said about the, the composting because we bought a worm farm. Uh, and you have to water it 
but my husband and I shouldn't have been watering it at different times, and I think we killed all the worms. Oh, I killed um, all the worms, I know. Yeah. Oh, it's really... Um, so food, yeah, food consumption is an easy thing to handle um, because you, in the book you actually say, here's all the things that you can do with even the tips, yeah. the vegetables that we might potentially throw into a compost heap, um, here's something you can do. When you say the electricity, it's as easy as turning off a it, PowerPoint. It really is. It actually really is. I know that it's like, oh, really? Just turn your lights off? But actually it is. And, um, and it's also about understanding the flow of electricity in your home. Um, because with, elect with, with all of this, behaviour change is not about 10 top tips. It's just not. Because the way you live is different to the way you live, which is different to the way you live. And you have to, I think, understand how you live and then make it all work for you. And when we were doing... Um, um, we, at One Million Women, a couple of years ago, we did uh, a, a project called Women Power. And it was about getting your household electricity down by 20%. We had 10 very different households, really different. It was, um, you know, a single um, uh, parent. It was uh, uh, uni students. It was um, a more affluent household, low incomers. It was a whole mix of... And, and all we had to do was get our electricity consumption down by 20%. But every household had a different approach to it. And we actually smashed it. We, the, the average was 44%. Wow. And someone got their electricity consumption down by 66%. Because they had underfloor heating. <laughs> and, um, but, um, but it was about turning things off at the wall. It was about not leaving things on standby. It was about not flicking the light on when you go into the bathroom. It's about opening the blinds first. It's, it's the, I, and this is not my household. I'm sure it's not all your households either, but the average household, uh, which I still find hard to believe, has uh, uh, 70 appliances. Yeah, 70. And that, so that's a lot of things to, to have on and... And it's not even while I'm listening to you, I'm thinking it's not even the it's not even asking people to go without yeah. things. So it's not walk into a room and go without light. It's when you leave the room, turn the light off. Turn it when off. you finish charging your phone, flick it off at the power. That's point. right. Mm. Yeah. Don't leave things on overnight. If a million households in Australia, if we got our electricity consumption down by twenty percent, it could put 240 million back in our pocket, probably more now because electricity has gone up, but it could shut down two coal-fired power stations. That is so powerful mm. just by energy efficiency. The solar story is fantastic, but energy efficiency is such an easy one when it comes to, to the house. A friend of mine just put solar panels in um, and did the, the not overly expensive version. Her last power bill was $59. Wow. Mm, yeah. yeah, incredible. Um, yep. So before we go to questions, I'd just like to ask you, what are you going to do when you hit one million? Because you're not that far off it. We're so It's close. a growing movement. Yeah. Uh, and there's an app. If you haven't downloaded the app, please download the app while we're talking. Uh, but once you hit that one million target, yeah. how are you going to go next? <sighs> what, what figure are you going to pick next? Well, yeah, it, um, I, I reckon we're at a million because... Um, we're about 
I know we're, our community is about 880,000, but you know what? Last month, our social media reach was 49 million. Whoa. Yeah, and it was uh, all organic. Mm. I know. Um, and, and last year, our blog got 4.5 million views. And so I'm going to just say we're already at a million. But I think a million women have got to tell a million more. And, um, and we've just got to go from one million to one billion because climate change isn't waiting for any of us. And I, I think what, I think what the, the vision of one million women is, we're just... We're trying to build a lifestyle revolution across the planet. Mm. And, um, and hopefully, when we, when we can say we're at a million, we'd, hopefully the next million will just be, will just be easier. Um, and uh, we just can't stop because mm. it, it needs us all. Climate change needs us all, men and women, and it needs us. It needs governments. It needs politicians to lead, please. It needs cities. It need, and Newcastle City Council is really pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> That's a conversation that we shouldn't have today because it'll take up all of question time. I'm and sorry. I'm not saying there's no comment from me either way on that. We're just, oh, my God, yeah. I'm sorry. But, okay. no, they are, but no, there is there are movements around um, electronic vehicles. Yeah. There's movements to increase public transport. So, yeah, it's all, it's all in conversation. I'm thinking here, I'm just totally, you know, changing the subject. Oh, I God. reckon but, here... Uh, but but I was, what I wanted to just say, it needs cities, it needs councils, it needs households, communities and individuals, and it needs us all act, to act at the same so time. So I can see I can see a little 10x here, which won't change your logo much at all, so one million 10x, exactly. and that'll get us to a million. And then, and also, um, it, it needs, you know, go on to our Facebook, go on to our website, and, and just be part of it, because it's, it's important to have as many of you as possible. Mm. Uh, we've got a couple of roving mics, and we've got, oh, look at all those hands that have gone up. Who was first? Which hand went up first? I think there was one up here. We'll go one question over here and then we'll go in the middle and then we'll go over here and we'll keep coming back. And, and if we can keep the questions um, reasonably short so that Natalie can answer as many questions as we can get through. So, um, who's, got the, who's got the mic? Okay, I've good. I've got the mic. Um, I just wanted to say first, I love One Million Women. I've been following you for a few years oh, now. Oh, thank you. Um, and it makes me feel really hopeful. It makes me feel like we can make a difference and there are people that care. And often it's easy to feel like nobody cares and nobody's listening, especially in politics. And I just wanted to know from your experience and people in One Million Women and in your life, what are the things that you do that keep you feeling hopeful when it's so easy to feel... Despairing. Like, yeah, despair. Yeah. yeah. I think um, it's a really good question and thank you for being part of One Million Women because it... it it is about being around like-minded people is one thing um, because it is very easy to go from denial to despair, mm. um, which is not where I, I wasn't in denial, but it is easy to be there and not be in the peace in the middle, which is about acting. And, um, and I think that knowing that others have your back and you have theirs and that, it, that really does um, add to empowerment and, and being hopeful. 
Um, there is no doubt there are times when, you know, more news comes out about just this, the state of the climate and you do, you know, I do find myself sitting there sometimes and thinking, oh my God, this is really, really bad. But I, I, I promise you, I, there is so much happening in the world and there, the solutions are out there. If there was political will, we could get there a hell of a lot faster. But I am really hopeful because I think humanity will rise, is rising to this at a great speed. And, um, and I don't know if I'm answering your question well enough, but that is what keeps me hopeful. And also walks in the in the beautiful rainforests mm. and mm. and and just being out in nature gives me strength. Mm. Um, yes, up here. Yep. Um, thanks very much for all you do, and I've just Thank signed you. up and yes. downloaded while I'm sitting here. Well, actually, the app is still um, it's in its beta stage, so about another two weeks we'll have the right the real app so but, but sign up now but it's sign okay. up but it's sign okay. up because the, the real app will come out but sign up on everywhere else but, but i'm sitting here sort of listening to what you do at an individual like you, you're encouraging individuals and you said we need to partner with newcastle or pdo or greenhouse trust group we need to partner with Newcastle City Council and maybe Oh, did draft. I? I didn't say that. I just, oh, sorry, I didn't say Supporting. that. Supporting. Anyway, I, but need to, yeah. need to, there needs to be a community. A collective. Focus, and I just yeah. Wanted, just a short question. To yeah. what extent we have a really um, transition town, you know, the, 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 the grassroots community based, sorry, community based organisation. To what extent do you partner already with those sorts of groups that have, that operate on very much the same philosophy as you do, but more, you know, they encourage people in neighbourhoods. Um, and, and, and certain streets to work together to achieve the same outcomes um, that you're working to achieve. Yeah, it, um, it's collaboration is the most important thing and, uh, and that's really what we're doing now. So we do actually, we have partnered with about 20 councils um, for our app and exactly what you just said about uh, streets and communities, when we launch our app, um, we can geofence absolutely anywhere, and and it's hard to explain, but but you'll know it when you see it in the app. But um, but it is critical now for us all to collaborate as best we can, um, and we um, and to all support each other with what we're doing, so that you're not one group over here doing this and somebody else over there doing that. That's still important, but I think it's really important that we bring it all together and that we, we, um, we collaborate and show the collective power that we have. And it's the one thing that One Million Women has... It's been our reason for being, is to be able to show the power of the collective when we all act together, whether it is one street or whether it's one um, council area or it's one state or it's one big group, it is about this is the power when we act together. 
And, um, and when in the app in a few weeks' time, you'll see that at any moment, you'll be able to see that this is how many of us are acting on this one action and this is what it means. And there's a global map that shows you where we all are in the world. And I think that's really important because individual action can seem very lonely if you don't see it as part of a collective. And you don't... Because, you know, if one person's, you know, not buying that coffee cup and you think, oh, I'll sneak this one in. Mm -hmm. But if you see 75,000 of you have done that one thing, it's pretty powerful. Mm. Did that answer your question well enough? Yeah, absolutely. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Someone up the back there has a question. Oh, yeah. I have a question related to what you just said, and it's kind of the contrary of it. Mm -hmm. Is that you're bringing up these um, negative images of humanity in that you're talking about how many times you can wrap your and um, all, all different sorry all different statistics around um, what we're doing that's bad, and by doing this we actually evoke. Um, the social descriptive norm that whatever this behaviour is, is normal and this is a powerful um, way of actually leading people to be complacent and to continue doing whatever they're doing because it's a norm. So have you ever worried about um, by bringing up these dirty facts you're actually kind of maybe inadvertently but you're you're actually promoting the behaviour you want to be um, you want to be dealing with. Well, I can only speak for um, what I know to be true with one million women, um, because we we don't spend a lot of time in the stat or in what's happening. We. We would spend a small amount of time on that so you know it. We will take you down to the bottom so you really get an, a, a true understanding of what is happening in the world. And then as quickly as we can, we bring you up to show you how powerful you are. And so I don't know about outside of One Me Women and I can, I can only talk for what we do. And what we do works because for us... The way that we do it. it, and 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 it speaks in the numbers, the engagement, the people that are acting in One Million Women, um, and our community. We found a place that works for us, and it isn't about sitting in the stats or highlighting the stats to that degree. It's about showing you the change really quickly, showing you a bite-sized action with this real intangible result. If I did this, it will result in this. It's something positive. It's more money in my pocket. It's less stuff in the bin. It's um, <coughs> more quality clothes in the cupboard. It's, it's less... Methane. Things going into the in, in, into landfill. It's all the positive things, but you can't have that positive without understanding mm -hmm. what you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So, although that, 
but it's almost, it's almost like you don't know what you don't know. So if you don't know that there's 55 billion coffee pods being used, you might be complacent and not take action against it. So yeah. I think it's a really interesting um, way to look at things, but we're going to move to a, a, a different question. But it's a really good thing for people to be thinking about. Um, back over here. Yep, thank you. Hi, Christina, thank you for bringing Natalie here and your gorgeous oh. questions. Um, Natalie, thank you for bringing One Million Women to the world. Um, I really love your visible progress. So thank you. just in, um, I hear what you're saying, but I actually also think you, you were talking about actually showing people that my one coffee cup, not having that does make a difference. So I really like that. I think that is, is needed. So I've got a really practical question. Yes. Um, I've been, you know, conscious and trying to do the right thing and, you know, you want to know what the impact is. So two little things, I guess, in the purchasing. When you go into the supermarket, one of the things is, you know, buying organic. So trying to do the right, thinking <coughs> the right thing, assuming that, you know, if we buy organic, that's, that's the right thing. But when you go into supermarkets, as opposed to, say, a Harris Farm or something, it's wrapped in plastic. Yeah. <laughs> to do or not to do. So that's number one. And the other one is then supporting companies um, like Thank You that are doing awesome mm. things in the world. And then I look at their soaps and I go, but they're in plastic. Mm. So I, know. I guess just can, if we could just do those two basic ones, like help, what's the answer? Yeah, it is, it is um, they're two dilemmas. I, I, I agree. I think um, it is very hard when you've got organics that are A, really expensive, um, and, um, and B, you just cannot figure it out why, it would, why anything is packed in plastic, number one, but um, um, why they've got orga the organics in plastic. I think you have to not buy the organics. If they're packed, packed in plastic, you, you shouldn't buy them um, because you have to send a message to the cons to the to the manufacturer, find another way. And when you leave it on the shelf, um, that is exactly what you're doing. And um, so I won't buy anything in plastic at all. I, I don't have strawberries anymore unless I can get them not in plastic. Or um, but and, and Harris Farm Farm is a really good example of them totally changing the way that they have done this. And so uh, they have, in the, in the Harris Farm near me, in Mona Vale, they have pretty much next to zero plastic. But I would definitely go for the, the loose fruit and veg that isn't in plastic over and locally produced. So don't buy oranges that come from the US um, or lemons. And, and, but buy the loose ones so that you're really sending that clear message and by seasonal. I mean, when you say yeah. oranges that come, yeah. there's reasons why fruit and veg grow at the period of time that's where right. they grow because that's the nutrients that we need to head into winter or summer or, or different times. And by the, you know, the imperfect fruits and vegetables that Harris Farm now have, I, and, and I'm sure there are others on board, but um, because, yeah, what, a third of bananas mm. don't make the beauty test and... We've got time for two more two questions, more. so we'll go there and there. Thank Sorry you. I didn't get to your other no. question, but... Um, one of my questions was taken, but I've got another one. <laughs> um, as a sort of tea addict, I was quite horrified to know that there was plastic in mm. tea bags. Yeah. 
How can, um, or is there anything you're aware of um, in terms of packaging becoming more user-friendly so people are more aware of those um, subversive examples than the obvious ones? Yeah, uh, look, and it's we find this out too as we go along. You know, none of us are experts. Like, we... We learn this as we go, and that that so you learning something we've only probably just learned it not, not long before, and you go, oh my goodness, now what? You know, obviously you buy loose tea, but um, but I think that yeah, look, I don't know the answer to that one because it is we are constantly. We're this little team constantly researching to find out those kind of things. Um, it's like the plastic in the rim of the coffee cup. You think maybe the cup itself is okay um, and you've just got the plastic lid, but the cup has got a plastic film in it. And, and until it's been brought to your attention, you don't know these things. I think you've just got to do the best you can with the information you have and just keep on looking for it. And, and you know, we'll keep on giving you as much information as we can along the way. I think if we wait for perfection, we never oh, do anything. But if we absolutely. make small changes, we can, make, we can be effective. They will take you along, yeah. Mine are not questions. On the packaging, I met a lady in February in Hobart who said she never leaves the store with the packaging. Mm. She removes it she and removes leaves it, it for the yeah. store. Yeah. The other one is, I live in Lake Macquarie. They are much, much more ecologically minded than Newcastle. And about eight years ago, I picked up a poster which says, plastics are like diamonds, they last forever. It is still on the wall next to my garbage bins. <laughs> it's a good reminder, not only to myself, but to the other members of my family. Yeah, that's good. Thank and you. Yes. Thank you for so much for what oh, you're doing. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. We've got time for one more question now. We've got one over here. Thank you. The question? Oh, yeah, mine's... I think we're recording, so it's better it's if you... It's not a question. Oh. It's just, who's been to the farmer's market this morning? Who? There's where you don't have to use plastic. Exactly. There's where you're supporting local business and you can buy organics. Oh, look, I cannot be more supportive of that. Yeah, get to the, the farmer's markets because not only that, you get to meet people and you get to meet the, 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 the producers and it actually makes you think, wow. Yeah. Oh. And, and you go, wow, I am going to be more thankful and grateful for this food <laughs> that I've just bought from the person who's been growing it. We're going to go two more questions. I'm going to run five minutes over just like I did this morning. Don't tell Rosemary. Okay. What My question, question is about takeaway food containers. Don't say don't buy takeaway food. I cook a lot. But yep. Once a week, once a fortnight, I love Thai takeaway. I've looked this up on the internet. I can't find an answer. Um, can I just take a container from home? Yep. Can they refuse Absolutely. to fill that? that you, they, they will say, I'm not going to fill it, but just, just be firm okay. and just say, I want you to fill it. And um, we, we did some research into that and, and that we believe that you can just mm. go, please fill it. When That's it. Get, get your takeaway. Absolutely get mm. your takeaway. But take your own. We, I take all my own when containers. When I was a child in the 50s, we used to take saucepans to the yeah. Chinese. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's one more question down here. Um, we actually ran a, a, a women's event where we had a whole plate of leftovers 
and we wanted there was a homeless um, feed the homeless in in Civic Park, and we were actually stopped from walking out of there because of food poisoning. Anyway, I won't tell you that we actually got it over the fence. And <laughs> Your question? It's about the workplace. And where I work, they often use plastic. Mm. And we were all offered some lunch. And I, they offered me a plastic plate. And I, I said, I'm sorry, I don't do plastic. But it can sometimes be perceived as being... I don't know. Does anyone know what I, I mean? I know that, yeah, like yeah, the difficult or, or you're wearing something on your sleeve. It's yeah. a very difficult thing. You know, I, um, that, that is true because we need to change the workplaces and it's got to come from within and it's got to come from people like you and, and like me and, and we've, got to, we've got to explain why we shouldn't be using plastic and there's a new way of doing these things now and it's all out there and I think I think that just keep going with that because um and, and or create a, a workplace challenge for a week where um there's no plastic or we're actually doing something like that in the in, in at our 10-year anniversary where we're going to do it but, but I, you've tried, yeah. Yeah, I know. It is, an, it is a hard one, um, but I think just stick at it. And stay in your comfort zone, like whatever you're comfortable with, really. It's, what, it's the little changes that we're all comfortable with that are going to make the difference, you know. Rosa Parks got arrested. We don't all have to get arrested. Um, but we can all make small change. Um, I'm going to ask um, Natalie to close by reading one of my favourite parts in the book. So this is totally self-indulgent. Um, but before... No. So would you mind reading that? Yes, just we'll from close. here? Yeah. Oh. yeah. I realised that everything I did was connected to Earth. Its well-being was not someone else's issue. It was mine and that of my family and friends. Everything we do makes a difference. After all, fighting for its health is fighting for the health of humanity. Mm. <laughs> So if I can ask you, um, on behalf of One Million Women and, and Natalie and, um, and the planet and my children and your children and grandchildren and everybody else, if we just walked out of here and made one small change, um, how effective that might be. Thank you, Natalie, for making one small change so easy oh. in the book. Please go and buy the book outside. Natalie's going to be um, signing. Please gift the book. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful gift. Thank you very much. Oh, and can I just say one last thing? Just one last thing. On the 25th of May, we're doing a really... If you can make it down to Sydney, we're doing a really big... We're having a big party at Carriage Works for our 10-year anniversary. Has anyone seen it yet? Do you know who's coming? Yeah. <laughs> We've got Midnight Oil playing, we've got Katie Noonan, I've got the president of the Marshall Islands coming out to talk about yeah. climate change and her. There's, it's zero waste and we've got Craig Recastle from War on Waste. And it's going to be a really fun morning. So if you can make it to Sydney, come and party with us and dance to Midnight Oil. They're going to do three songs. Huh? The, it's a Saturday. So you could go to the farmers markets down at Carriage Works, and um, and if you go to the One Me Women Facebook, you'll see the event there. It's called the Love Earth, One Me Women's Love Earth Festival. 
Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation from the 2019 Newcastle Writers Festival. Save the date for next year's festival, April 3 to 5, and follow us on Facebook for regular updates.